Podcast like a motherfucker. Amazon Podcast, episode number 20, part three. Yeah. Henry P. Miller with P. Miller. Mr. Christopher. <laughs> hello. I was waiting for your signature hello. So uh, we're going to have a little chat. Uh, we, we podcasted today um, and then we had a game mm-hmm. and now we're back at our place and doing some painting. So this is our first paint cast. Paint cast? Yeah. Hobby talk, hobby hobby time podcast, hobby time podcast. So yeah, we're we're doing some painting as we go. So uh, I don't know how on topic and concentrated we can we can actually be, but we'll we'll do our best. So what are we talking about, Christopher? We are going to talk about first off what we're painting. I am very uh, meticulously painting these black lines. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit what we're painting and why and then afterwards we're going to talk about some narrative games and we actually had I mean uh, inverted commas narrative game today uh, at Rasmus's place and yeah. we will talk about that game and then also what we think about some ideas for narrative objectives to make the game a little bit more balanced uh, to the system that we use at the moment so um, what are you actually painting Christopher? I'm painting my extremely expensive, um, <laughs> expensive money. Ducks of War, uh, what are they called? Rico's Republican Guards, played armor pikemen made by the Perry Brothers. I don't know which one of them. Um, I have no idea. And uh, you have lo- you have a load of these. These are for your Assassin's Creed army, right? Yeah, they are. I'm uh, I'm trying to get some progress. I haven't actually seen the new movie yet. Did you go and see that? No, we didn't. We were going to, but then we got a bit tired, and we ended up just staying on the sofa last night. Uh, fair enough. Um, no, so that actually inspired me to get going a little bit, seeing that the movie came out, although I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've been uh, messing about with some uh, what are they called? The Leho. Liquid metals is what they're called. So it's actually metal pigment dissolved in alcohol. It does look really, really shiny, I must say. It's quite good. The difference between these and regular pigments are, rather regular acrylic paints are obviously the pigments, and whereas they are, yeah, I guess pigment in, I don't know how to say that actually. Well, the thing about the liquid metals is that it's actually metal you're painting with. So the shine is... You can't really get that in acrylic in any way because there's no metal in acrylic paint. So um, It's a more natural shine, isn't it, than a, yeah. like a, a yeah. plasticky shine? Absolutely. I mean, it reflects the light uh, 100%. Um, so it gives, it gives your models like a little bit more um, metal feel than using like a basic metallic main, maint, metallic paint yeah. or using like an effect paint. Like I, I use a rust effect. I think it looks really good, but I think if I wanted to do something actual, actually shiny, shiny metal, mm-hmm. like if you're doing high elves or something like that, it would look really good. Oh yeah, yeah. If you were to use the, uh, is it called liquid silver? If you were to use that on 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 a whole army, which is what I'm planning to do for for all the, because they have so much armor on them, and I don't want to do like a lot of gold trimmings. Um, 
So if I didn't use these paints, the armor, the model would actually look quite flat, I think. Yeah, so, if you if you're not gonna spend ages highlighting like twenty layers, yeah, then it's a really good way of doing it. Are you actually gonna um, do the wash and then the highlights again? Um, I think I'll because the way I did it right now was I primed them black first, and after that I uh, what I did was I primed them. I dusted them, I guess you'd say. So I primed them again, but not very consistently heavily with silver primer, um, army painter chainmail primer, because it saves you a lot of time because it basically does the first two layers for you on a model that's almost entirely Yeah, I guess entirely instead of doing like a black undercoat and then a silver coat yeah. with a brush, it saves you a lot of time. It saves me so much time, it's unbelievable. When 90% of the model is actually armor. Yeah. Uh, so it's an easy way of cutting a corner, especially when I have to, you know... How uh, many do you have? Uh, that's a good question. I haven't put all of them together because otherwise the, the, the task just becomes too daunting. Yeah, I think I'm I looking at my desk right now. It's 25 crazy. in front of me, I think. I'm actually not sure because they're in a, like a, a very skirmish formation right now. Do you now. have any unit fillers for them? Uh, I do. Are you going to use any? I mean, like, because obviously they're pikemen and they don't look, they won't look very good if you skimp out on the... That's really the thing, isn't it? And that's also my conclusion, is that the, every time I take a model out to put a unit filler in, the kind of the feel of the unit goes yeah. a little bit haywire. So, um, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure. You could, maybe you could probably make a unit of 25 into a unit of 30 without losing a lot. I'm thinking of making a unit of 40 into a unit of 50, more like. <laughs> okay, I mean, how many are you envisaging using in your game? I don't know. I tried putting together a list, and obviously 40 spearmen is very expensive if they're going to be played as Dark Hills, so I think I'm going to have to play them as... Um, Empire. As Empire, yeah. But 50 Empire spearmen is not unreasonable. No, no, no. If, in Empire, it's perfectly feasible. But it's more... Is it, what is it, like, 900 points in uh, elf, elf spearmen? 50 something uh, like that uh, yeah you're looking upwards of upwards of 700 points for sure so it's a little bit a little bit too expensive i think uh for the elves but i will see we'll see i mean i when i was making this army the idea was to give uh, to run multiple small units of them but i guess i could still do that you could but, do units of 15 that would look quite cool yeah, yeah i think that would look but then even less of a need for unit fillers i think yeah yeah true it won't look as good then yeah so we'll see. What, what are you painting? I am slowly trolling through my 50 halberdier skeletons that I've painlessly converted and keep breaking. Because <laughs> uh, basically what I did is I got the Empire State Troops, the, also the old, some of the old ones and mostly the new ones. And um, I, cut, I, got, I traded the heads for skeleton heads. Oh, just made a mistake. And um, traded the heads for skeleton heads. I made halberds. I didn't really like the Empire halberds, so I, I thought they were a bit small. So I made my own halberds out of peasant halberds from the Kingdom of Equitaine. And also uh, the militia halberds from the Empire, because they're a bit bigger. And um, so, I, so I used those models um, and then put basically skeleton hands on the halberds. So that took like quite a bit of effort to... Yeah. It's quite uh, elaborate what you've done there. Yeah, it's like cut each halberd and mm. then um, put a head on on it if it was a spear haft. Because a lot of the hands are from like skeleton spearmen that have been like the instead of the spear tip, it's a halberd tip. Yeah. So a lot of chain swaps there for the halberd instead of the spearhead. 
just a lot of work in general. I yeah, say. and then all each of the skeleton heads has been converted from an empire head and a skeleton head. <laughs> so like cut the hat off an empire guy and stick it on their skeleton. Basically is the name of the game. And then they obviously go on the model. So each model is converted. And now I'm going through them, painting them. <laughs> uh, Takes forever. And I have, I have 50, including a lot of unit fillers. I don't know how many models in total it is. It's probably around 30. But, yeah. <laughs> and I'm about... When I finish this, I think I'll have... Uh, I've got 12 in there. I've got, I'm looking at 7 here. Because I'm doing four, about 4 at a time. And I have a big unit filler of 4 models. So I will have about 20 done. Uh, hopefully in a few minutes. If yeah. I stop making mistakes. The multitasking is the difficult thing. Yeah, it's really hard, actually. It's really, really hard. I didn't think it would be this difficult to talk about Warhammer and paint, but it's actually quite difficult. To be fairly honest, I think it's because when you do your hobby work, you actually relax, as opposed to someone like me, like very concentrated. So for me, it's actually not that difficult. Yeah, for me, it's more like a therapeutic thing that I do as like a... just to... when I come home from work, to relax. Yeah. Whereas I think... For you, it's more like a stressful thing. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. Well, nah. Maybe I don't know. A little bit. There's, there's some truth to it. There's definitely some truth to it. There's definitely some truth to it. Yeah, I mean, this this week I've got through quite a few skeletons. I've done, as I said, I've done twelve or so so far. And I I, I can average about four a night. So I paint quite quickly. I know you paint quite slowly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is that I do that makes me paint so slowly. It's actually quite frustrating, if I'm honest. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like a. I'm like an average painter. But I think you're you're definitely better than me. It's it's. I think it's more of a kind of a time thing because I think if you if you and I would have spent the same amount of time, I think we'll we'll absolutely even out. Yeah. So I mean, there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. I guess I, I spend a little bit less time on my models. Yeah, on average, I mean. But then again, you spend. You, I mean, the dip, like we've said it many times before, the difference between your method and my method is that I have a lot of unpainted shit and you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. I have stuff done and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's what counts at the end of the day. <laughs> it it kind of is right. Yeah. So, but that's why I've tried to take it a, a little bit down of a notch with these guys. Not so many extreme highlights and whatnot. More like uh, get them done quickly, get something on the field, something yeah. to show for your efforts. Yeah, so um, we were going to talk about our narrative games. So I actually posted an article on our Amatime blog uh, on the on the internet, mm -hmm. on the website. It was I think it was last Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah, you, you guys right. can find that on the on the Ninth Age site. Um, it, basically what it was saying, it was looking at narrative games and just giving you some ideas for some scenarios. Uh, it was the Sylvan Elf scenarios I posted, the ones that we talked about. I didn't. I know we actually talked about changing them a little bit, but I didn't change yeah, them. Yeah, but as a general, I, I yeah, read more them. The, more the idea of it than anything. Yeah. And I think they, they, they formulate the idea of, and the concept nicely, so I don't think... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Definitely what, go on there and check that out. If but what I, didn't, what I didn't talk about was the primary scenarios. So I think maybe we're going to talk about a little bit about the primary scenarios. Mm -hmm. We actually played a game today which involved a primary scenario, which was different to the 
to the main rules. Um, basically, the idea behind it is that instead of playing victory points, the sole um, the sole objective of the game is actually a narrative based scenario, which is similar to what you're playing at the moment. The only difference is that it counts for the whole game rather than just three points. And I think many people, when when you hear this, you will um, initially think it changes the game too much. This isn't the Warhammer that I like. I mean, it would it would change too much because I would be able to just you know throw stuff away and whatnot. But I think what we found is it prolongs the longevity of playing a game in which you're actually losing. Yeah. I think that's the main lesson I took from our game today. Despite yeah. the fact that I was losing almost from the get-go. Yeah, from like turn two, you were down. I mean, if it had been a regular game of Warhammer, then, yeah. then I would have never been able to bounce back from that. No. And never. Yeah, well, you didn't in the end. But, no, but it was but close. Yeah, but, yeah, but you, had, really you close. had a lot of chances to yeah. do that. I didn't feel like... I, I mean, at the end of the day, I was... I was board wiped almost, yeah. but but I was also playing quite aggressively to get back in there. I mean, yeah. if you're behind and the, and you're going for the win, the only way to to win is then actually to get get stuck in there. I mean, my dice failed me. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, your magic dice. My my, my dispel, despite my best efforts to dispel spells, I just could not. So, do what it. what was the scenario that we played today? Today was the scenario which was called uh, was it onslaught? Yeah. So we we've written six scenarios which are. Which basically same same procedure as, as usual. You roll at the start of the game, what the what the scenario is, and it's the same for both players. Mm -hmm. And then this so this scenario was um, defend no defend your banners. Defend your banners. Whoever whichever player had the most banners alive at the end of the game would win the primary scenario. Yeah. And uh, tweak on that was that any core banners would count for two. Yeah. So what what banners did you have? I had, so I was playing Kingdom of Equitain against your uh, vampires. Vampire Covenant. Covenantus. And, um, and I had, well, obviously, we, I didn't realize we were going to play the scenario game today. So, yeah, I, so none of us had really tweaked our armies for it. Yeah, I'd it say. didn't really matter that much. But at the end of the day, it's important to notice that while this, I mean, we've designed the scenarios to counteract each other. So unit compositions that are good in one scenario will be inherently bad in another scenario. For, for example. Um, so this scenario was all about preserving your banners. Another scenario was, so I guess the direct opposite would be the one scenario where the objective is to take as many banners as yeah. possible. Yeah, so if you, have, if you have lots of banners, then this scenario is easier to win. But if the objective is take lots of banners, then you have lots of banners that your enemy can, your opponent can take, then it puts you at a disadvantage. So with this in mind, it's actually quite difficult to... Uh, write a list which is kind of breaking the system. At least that's what we feel like we're looking at it, so right? You're, so you, you're not really writing your list to have lots of banners because if you come up with a scenario that's that's the kill lots of banners, then then you'll be a, dis a disadvantage. And in some of the scenarios, the banners don't even matter. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. So yeah, you you were playing Equitain and you had what units were banners? You had the core unit of knights. I had a big unit of twelve knights of the realm, and I also I had a questing big unit of questing knights. What are they called now? Quest, knights of the quest. The so knights yeah. of the quest. Okay. Oh yeah, um, twelve guys also, and that was actually only, the only two banners I had. Yeah. So if I could kill Christopher's um, 
core unit of knights, then that would net me two points. Exactly. Right? Or yeah. rather, two points that I didn't have. Yeah, yeah. well that would give me two, two uh, like scenario points or whatever, if I could kill them. And uh, I would get one point for the questing knights. And I was playing with Vampire Covenant, and as we said, we hadn't really... Um, we hadn't actually planned, planned to do this, so I had a big unit of ghouls, which were not did not have a banner, obviously, because ghouls can't have banners anymore. Um, they are scoring, but they can't have banners. Which is important in some of the scenarios yeah. we've written, actually, yeah, yeah. because some of the scenarios, you, it's about being a core unit and being scoring, yeah. which you don't have to have a banner to be. Yeah, exactly. And I also had a unit of zombies and a unit of barrow guard. Yeah. Oh my god, the barrow guards. They were really good. The barrow guard are really strong unit, I feel, at the moment. I mean, they're they're really good with the barricading, even better than regular. But they're still they can still fight on their own. And I, I run them with great weapons, just FYI. Yeah, I mean, they basically murdered me, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had to raise them a couple of times. Yeah, I failed all the dispels. Yeah, <laughs> in the world, it was, it was quite amusing. I mean, <laughs> oh well. But the the way that it worked was that obviously we had to protect our banners, and um. I actually forgot that we were playing the scenario most of the game, <laughs> yeah. so I didn't do it, but uh, at the times I did, it made me play a little bit more defensively, and and there was points in the game where Christopher was like, why, why aren't you charging in your lord? I was just like, well, I don't want to lose him. He's like, well, why, why does it matter? And I'm like, well, there's lots of points. He's like, well, it doesn't matter if there's points, because we're playing banners, yeah. so... I was just like, oh yeah, okay. Well, and that was quite funny because that meant that your general, instead of hiding behind the church the rest of the game, he was yeah. actually like, oh, I'm going to get stuck in there. Yeah, exactly. Like what, what happened was Christopher had shot him down with spells and a trebuchet. Oh my God. And he was down to one wound at one point. And, um, and I was hiding behind the, the church. And he was like, well, what, why? Why? I was like, well, I don't want him to get killed. My general will die. And he's like, well, do you have a necromancer? I was like, yeah. Well, if your general dies, it doesn't really matter because your necromancer can take over. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess so. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah, that's true because it doesn't matter if I lose. And it was the same. I mean, I char I combo charged my general and my BSB into your grave cards. I mean. Yeah. I. Uh, and they it could have worked out better than it did. I fluffed some of the attacks. Yeah. I forgot I had some attacks and whatnot, but still, I mean, I, it was worth it. I just and... forgot I had a divine icon on my general, uh, so you would have re-rolled your ward saves oh, on, yeah, on the yeah. ground, but yeah. But they died to a man anyway. Yeah, they got killed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, screen, screen. No, and that's that's uh, that's really. I don't know. I I've, I found that if it had been like the lesson I take away from this is that if it had been a regular game of Warhammer, I would have given up after two, two, two or three turns. Yeah, and it's just the most sour feeling of losing components of your army because. I mean, my I I was running a almost bare bones BSB on a Pegasus, and he's actually really nice now because it doesn't he's not that many points if even if you lose him, and it doesn't I'm sorry I mean it doesn't matter if you lose him, yeah. so he can be a small investment and he you, you can afford not to spend a hundred points of of protective yeah, items on him. you don't necessarily need to buy all the defensive kit. You not you don't need to have the bluffer's helm. I mean, yeah, he's gonna tank tank and be hard to kill. But it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, because yeah. the characters don't really count for any points in the main scenarios. They might count for the secondary scenarios, but they're less points. Right. And that was that was. I felt that was kind of a bit of a. 
It was a different kind of game, wasn't it? It really was. It really was. And and because I I, I think my I didn't I hadn't changed my mindset completely to it when we started it. Yeah. So I was like playing in the beginning, and I was like, ah, oh, failed this and failed that and whatnot. And then as it, it kind of like re-realized that uh, that well, we're playing the scenario game. It kind of it kind of made me play a little more more mellowish. I mean, it didn't matter that much that my you know my PSP. Your, your girl and I got killed right at the start, pretty yeah. early, like turn two. And I mean, although it although it didn't really it didn't really cost you the game. But it put you at a disadvantage. It didn't take anything away because the Grail Knights didn't have a banner. Yeah. So it didn't matter that you lost them. For this scenario. <laughs> yeah, for this scenario at least. Yeah. Like, I mean, it made no difference in the end end result because neither was neither was had killed any banners yet. Yeah. I mean, you didn't use them to to kill any banners. No, I used them to distract you to uh, your uh, two heavy hitters, which yeah, I yeah. think they, in their defense, they did rather well. Yeah. If, if that was the objective of that, then definitely because I had to spend two or three turns. Yeah, and if I could have gotten the combo charge off on your blocks that I almost got, if yeah. I had dispelled that spell, I would have gotten it. Yeah. Then it would have been worth it, right? Yeah, sure. And yeah, and then that would have won you probably won you the game. I think it would have. That was my analysis going into it anyway. And I think so. I had, and I quite liked that I had to have a battle plan. Like I had a tech, I had a strategy that I yeah. could go for rather than just trying to kill stuff. Yeah, yeah, at, at more or less, and you know, rather than so, you always when you write your list, you have a plan with what you're going to do, but most of that comes down to like synergies and combos, right? Yeah. But from in this game, it was more like I looked at what you had brought and I thought, okay, so I need to distract those and then I can beeline for his two. Yeah, yeah, distract yeah. the distract the stuff that can kill things and then. <laughs> yeah, and then just go for the go for the point. Sorry, the scoring banner things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it almost worked. It almost worked. And so I like that with scenarios you can play in a little bit more of a tactical sense. Yeah. You can you can really really see if you lay a plan and you stick to it and you execute and it works you can really tell that you know okay I am the better player or the better general right whereas in many games it just feels like it's dice sometimes you know? yeah yeah right, I, right, so, okay he's got a better list he's gonna win yeah right I mean yeah. okay so I'm playing demons and empire light council yeah <laughs> right yeah. I mean it's like that's that's like the perfect example isn't it yeah so let's say for instance that you're a demon player and you rock up at a tournament first game. And you're playing Empire Light Council, or I mean, is there is there is that a thing anymore? Um, yeah, I don't no, think that, I, don't, I don't think that's a thing anymore. But still, it's it's an easy example. Yeah, or like uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's there are there are definitely some matchups where you you turn up and you're like, okay, this is going to be a hard game. Like my game against Rasmus today. Oh, uh, yeah. We played a game against Rasmus this morning. I'm playing against the Dark Elves, and he had two units that I could not beat in combat with my vampire army. With your vampire combat army. <laughs> yeah, it's a combat. My army is a combat army, minus the Shrieking Horrors. Yeah. And I, I, he had two units that I couldn't fight. But if we were playing banners, I could have ganged up on one of the units and won a banner. Yeah, and you could have thrown the, to an extent, you could have thrown your general and the other Shrieking Horror in the attempt of doing so, right? Yeah, I could, throw, I could have thrown away some units to to kind of trade off for that one banner unit and then made him come to me and be aggressive instead of sitting back and shooting me off the board right he he would have been forced then to come to me to win the game and I could have picked him apart but what happened was is I tried to single out one of the one of his units with my army mm. and his he charged me and killed my whole army yeah <laughs> because I couldn't fight him in combat because he got the first turn, and yeah, that was just how it was. 
and it's just it's just not very fun to play like that, is it? Yeah, it was a fun game, but it wasn't. There wasn't in no way could I have won that game. I mean, unless I had like ridiculous dice or he played really badly. And Rasmus is a good player, and <laughs> so no, nope, not going to happen. Yeah, and that's what we're really aiming to avoid, right, with the scenarios. Yeah, for sure. And and it also. Bear in mind, these primary scenarios, the idea is that we're going to make some secondary scenarios. Yeah. And so the concept for the secondary scenarios is that uh, you have... This um, is like the more the narrative part. Yeah, yeah. So it's based on your army. So for each race in the game, there should be six faction or six race-specific secondary scenarios, uh, which should reflect the army's background, I say, right? Yeah, exactly. Both in playstyle and army composition also, so that it should naturally favor us, not not to an extreme degree, but lend itself to a, a more more general army composition yeah. theme, right? So let, let's let's take it for example. Let's say let let's just try and let's try and come up with some scenarios for the Bretonians or the Kingdom of Aquitaine. So so obviously, what, what would you what would you have for scenarios for those guys? What what kind of things were you thinking about? So obviously they should be character centric. Uh, some of them should be. Uh, and your, so, like your your general or your BSB or yeah, not not necessarily, but it could be knightly characters, right? And it could be. It could be variations of this. It could be kill uh, your enemy's general in a challenge or kill the enemy BSB in a challenge with your general. Or if the enemy doesn't have a BSB. That's right. So so the idea is to, to have them as general as possible as, say, kill more... Or kill an enemy character. In a challenge, for instance, with your general. Or it, right? should, be, it should be kill an enemy character, one point. Kill an enemy character in a challenge, two points. Kill an enemy character with your general in a challenge, three points. Something like that, and you can you can you can twist. You, I think I feel like you can uh, you know uh, twist these to the extent that it's fitting. The idea is that the secondary objectives is not going to be worth as many points as the primary objectives, but you but they should still be something that. So if your example today, you were fighting Rasmus, and you're like, okay, I can't, I don't, I don't have an answer to this army. Uh, what do I do? And so the army should net uh, the you should naturally be able to try to go for your secondary objective, which you have a good chance of designing your army to yeah, solve. Yeah. So, like for example, I was playing with a Strigoi vampire on a Shrieking Horror. Mm -hmm. I could have charged my Shrieking Horror into his one of his units with the character in and challenged. Yeah. And if he said no, then I would have killed the character. And if he said yes, then I would have killed the character and got my points. Yeah. So there's there's that I mean. The way we, the way you design these secondary scenarios is, is kind of a, that's more of a balancing thing, I think. But an important thing to mention about the whole scenario concept is also that it tries to move the balance discussion a little bit away from units and points values. Yeah, and then it's not as important. It, it doesn't feel that way to me, at least, when we were playing today. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's still important to an extent because you still want to be playing with the same amount of models, right? Yeah, you yeah. still want to be. You still, you still need the points values. Yeah, it you still can't. needs to be there because it still needs to be like roughly balanced armies, which it is at the moment. Yeah, but see. you know the emphasis on roughly because you can never be perfect balance, and if it's not perfect balance, then it's never going to be perfect. And every now and again, there's going to be some games that are not fun because it's imbalanced. Yeah, and it's been those those games that are the le least amount of fun are the games in which you're just so sorely beaten and. And you had no real answer. You were just—it it wasn't because your opponent did anything particularly brilliant or anything. It was just that 
It's like Tommy Tucker playing against some noobs that he's never played that never played Night Fate before. Yeah, and he's just like, okay, I'm checkmated by army composition alone. Yeah, At least yeah. that's how it feels. Or maybe Tommy Tucker's just a shit player. But that's, that was a bad example. But um <laughs> Snake Target's real. Yeah, you get the idea. Actually, before before we talk anymore, um, I have a I have a hobby New Year's resolution. What do you have a hobby New Year's resolution or like a ninth age resolution for New Year? Not particularly, because my my hobby New Year ninth age resolution is to give more smack talk and talk more shit on the podcast. No, really? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it should be. Okay. Yeah. So talking more shit. That's my um, ninth age resolution. But yeah, back to um, if you don't have one. Um, mine would be get more shit finished. No, that's too easy. Yeah. As, also because it's... Uh, Hashtag boring yeah. fucking resolution. <laughs> Pick something better. Well, get better. Well, have people start playing scenario-based games rather than... Uh, that's, that's a good one. So yeah. if we can start a trend... If we can start a trend... If we can uh, persuade you guys to pick up our scenarios and test them. Yeah, and, and absolutely. That would be amazing if people cared to do that. And just tell us if you think that it works. If it's shit, let us know. Yeah. I'd actually really like to know what people think so far. The, the, um, the what do you call it, the feedback? Yeah, we've had a few people talk to us about it. Uh, I know Jack Jack Austin's messaged me. Says that he 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 came up with some nice Empire Sunsaw ones. Yeah, I quite like those, especially the like the the, the fluffy ones are really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I quite like those. Um, yeah, and, and and the brilliant thing is that that way you can have scenarios to reflect what your army's playstyle should be. I mean, not to say that you can't do other playstyles, but the secondary scenarios should kind of favor a certain playstyles. Obviously, Kingdom of Equitain. Everyone voted. They should be a cavalry-centric army, obviously. Yeah. And cavalry and character-centric army. So you could, you could have a really cool equitain scenario, which is like the last charge, yeah. something like that. Like if you complete X amount of charges during the game. If all your units charge and complete the charges on the same turn. No, it should just all nights. A bit hard. I think it should just be like successfully charge with or successfully complete five charges with knights. Yeah. During be. the game or something like that. You could even have it like successfully complete five charges, successfully complete ten charges. There's loads of options here, aren't there? And then like more points per charge, because that would be quite cool. Just like try, <laughs> and it also makes you fight. Yeah. It's not like uh, it's not like a... uh, quarters or something like it was yeah. in the old days. Like that's the, that's some of the things that I personally try to move a little bit away from. We don't. I mean, maneuver-based objectives are good in a limited degree because they favor certain playstyles. So you can't have an exclusively, I mean, objective yeah. grab based scenario. Let's say for instance you had pool. one like hold the ground and the ground that you had to hold was in the deployment zone. Yeah. Then it would be really boring because if you had a shooting army and they rolled that scenario, then it's just like auto win. Yeah, but the, the idea is to favor all sorts of playstyles, right? So the idea is also to have something that means that if you have a shooting army, then you're not you know, instantaneously checkmate it just because shooting doesn't work, right? Yeah. It just shouldn't be that shooting is good in all matchups, in all scenarios, under all circumstances. It should be that the same goes for MSU and Death Star play and whatnot. And I think if we can design the scenarios in a way that doesn't promote any specific way of any specific play style, yeah. then I think naturally a derivative effect will be balanced armies. Yeah. 
For sure. Do you, do you think there's any way, any scenarios right now that the way it is um, benefits some armies more than others? Um, yeah, so for, um, for instance, um, I think the scenario we played today favors very monster-heavy close, camp- close combat-orientated armies that can really push in there really hard. Yeah, 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 like a Chaos Army would be good, like ki- killing the other person's Just go, you know, a beeline for the banners and just kind of ignore the rest and let your opponent have to deal with the monsters that are rushing at you and yeah. the human prince and whatnot. But at the same time, I mean, a Chaos Army will have a bit of an Achilles heel in that it may not be bringing that many banners. Yeah. And if it does, then it itself, in turn, is because they will usually be bringing them on... on, on I mean, if, it, if it's bringing a lot of monsters, it's not bringing a lot of the elite banner-bearing units itself, Yeah. right? So it kind of evens out a little bit that way. Yeah, what, what, what about the current scenarios that we play in in the regular Ninth Age rule set? Are they, are they, do they favor a certain kind of army? It's, it's hard to say. Um, I, I think more it favors units that are cost-effective, which puts well, yeah, very hard big, strain big, on big balance. Big yeah. points is obviously the main way that you uh, that you actually decide decide the winner, right? Yeah. So so if you have something that's super cost effective, and you can bring it, it you know, multiple if you can spam it, I think people will do that quite often. I mean, you know, Oliver's playstyle with the Tuskers and the multiple uh, Stonehorns or whatever yeah. they're called now, right? Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's a clear example of something being good in a cost-effective way so that you can justify bringing loads of it. Um, yeah. It's not necessarily broken or anything, it's just very good cost-effective-wise. Yeah, it's like spamming the same unit. But would spamming the same unit be good in this narrative setting? I guess maybe, I mean there will always be things that we hadn't considered but like I said before, when we wrote the scenarios, I mean we envisioned that each scenario should have a polar opposite in in its design so that you can't really sit down look at the scenarios and say the scenarios favor for example avoidance play yeah because there's one scenario that definitely like one scenario is the 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 player who's killed the most units wins the game so that definitely doesn't favor the small the small units yeah yeah you're right i mean i guess i guess right now because because the scenario that we're playing is kill the most points and don't let your opponent kill the most points, mm-hmm. the units that can keep their points and the ones that are most efficient points-wise are the best units. How? Let me ask you this out there to you, dear listeners. How do you value a character? Do you value a character based on his killability, his ability to kill stuff, or his ability to survive and con- conserve points? Because personally, I always look at how do, how good a defensive kit can I get, and if he's offensive, then he has to be cheap enough to justify losing him. Yeah, the the reason that characters are good right now, look at the lion chariot guy. Oh yeah. He has a great weapon. Yeah. And then the rest of his points you spend on defense. Yeah, because, but that's also due in part to him having like the critical mass of special rules. Yeah, but what my my point is that. He he has a he has a damage output, but he's only good because he's efficient. Yeah. Because he's hard to kill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's hard to kill. Absolutely. And he can kill he can kill some stuff. Yeah. And and because characters are so many points, 
it, comparatively speaking, in the number of rooms as compared to a unit, protection becomes even more important. Yeah, and it's so sad when your character dies because you know that you're going to lose the game. Not always, but often. Yeah, but right. Often. And and if if you're playing a scenario where it doesn't really matter if your character dies, then you it's not so bad, and you're not so sad when it happens. And it's also more narrative that your general he kind of like he throws himself out there and just like he sacrificed just yeah. so that one unit can get through and kill the yeah. backbone of the other opponent's army or what whatever it might be, right? So like your general died, but you still won the battle. Yeah, and and. Stuff like that is kind of important, I think. And it also makes those, to an extent, it makes those last turn, you know, freak odd panic checks. It makes them less annoying when you just, like, when a whole game yeah. just flips around because a certain unit ran off the board. I mean, yeah. to an extent, they'll still be that, but it won't be based on victory points, so the unit at least might not be that important in the first place. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, if, if your scoring banner unit, like, runs off the table over the last... Last turn, then it's not much you can do. But yeah. at least, at least if it was your BSB or general or level so four mage, or, or let's another point, the wizards who just you know for you know you you roll four dice on a spell because you're feeling a little brave, and then obviously the four sixes or three sixes come up and you blow up the yeah. unit, and the wizard's gone, and you're just standing there like. Well, that's a thousand points. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> it's like that point where you lost your level four. You're like, oh. And you just feel like throwing your dice against the wall and just quitting the game. Yeah. You just say, okay, you won this because, you know, because you got so punished for something that you couldn't really play around. And it means so much because no matter how, in a victory point scenario, it doesn't matter whether or not you played well or you're just playing unlucky, but you still lost the points. Right? Yeah. But in a, in a narrative scenario based game, it's it's more about the scenario. So even if you lose your level four, and then you can still try and win the scenario, or try and win the secondary scenario. Yeah. Which I think is, I mean, yeah. I I find also when I look outside the narrow uh, coffin of ninth age, uh, for other looking at other games. Narrow system. coffin of ninth age. <laughs> uh, well, I was trying to. What does that matter for me? I mean that. Sometimes I think that the people who play nine say it, myself included, has a tendency to kind of only look inwards at the game rather than outwards for other gaming systems and seeing what well, how are they doing it and you know how how can we learn from those? Yeah, I, I mean I, I played Infinity recently, as I said on the last podcast. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, uh, that was quite nice because it all 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 it was was about the scenario. That was the only thing that that mattered. Yeah. I mean, we were trying to kill each other, but at the same time, it was the winner was the person who won the scenario. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's a clear example that, well, it goes it, it it proves a lot of points. I'd say that no one I can't think of any of the newer gaming systems that base the outcome of the game on a zero sum kind of game where it's it's about take winning more than you lose. Yeah. Because at the moment it feels like chess, yeah. where it's all about trading cost effectively. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't really like that. No, I dislike that as well because that's not really what a war game is like. I want to be. I want to make a story. Yeah, war games. I want to make a story. <laughs> war games are different from board games in the fact that they are not mechanical, at least in theory, right? They should be more living because more we fluid. have. We have rules to represent morale and uh, fatigue and these kind of things, right? That would be a cool rule. If stuff got tired. 
Yeah, but they do uh, in the sense that you can only march so many inches per turn, and it's based on whether they have horses and oh, yeah, morale and whatnot. So the rules are definitely there. It's just a matter of of not, and I think the people who are who are forcing the game more towards a chess a chess style. I think they they are also, in my experience, the people who are the less less of less of a hobbyist actually, They're the people who play the game mostly for the game, and I think that's completely fine. But I think for the most part, for those of us who play the game, we play it because of the miniatures, not because of the rules. The rules re- represent the miniatures. The miniatures don't represent the rules. Yeah, I I, cer- I certainly do at least. Um, I I play this game because, it, yeah, I like the story. And the miniatures represent the story. Yeah. It's not... For me, the, I mean, the winning is nice, but it's not... I mean, it's a game and you play yeah. to win, but it's it, the motivational... The motivation behind it yeah. is, isn't the game mechanic itself. I mean, we're not... There's a reason we're playing with miniatures rather than just moving cardboards around, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like templates. Cut them out to the regimental size. Yeah, you could, whatever. you could choose that, couldn't you? You could. At the moment, you absolutely could, right? Yeah, it's, it wouldn't it's, make any difference. No. And I'm not saying that we need to return more to a what you see is what you get kind of a thing. So look at the model. What what, what war gear does he have? That that thing doesn't really matter to me as much. It's more the it's more the way the the game plays. I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll uh, we'll wrap up now. I think maybe you want to come back and talk about some what army you used today and how it went. Just because we while we're sat here painting, we may as well keep talking. <laughs> Unless you want to do something else. Um, no, 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 I, fine. I, just, uh, I just noticed that the segment was getting quite long, so maybe yeah. I can edit it a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll come back after the break and uh, talk a little bit more about our armies, what we use today, and how our lists work. Now I really wish that I knew how to swim. Welcome back. It's I'm here. We're, you are here. I am here. I'm also here. <laughs> I think, therefore, I am here. <laughs> I think I'm here. I think, therefore, I am. It's, you're here with uh, Henry Pima and Christopher. You should make a you should make a screen name as well. Screen name. Yeah, like um, I don't know. I get Tommy Tucker's Chris and me, Henry P. Miller. Yeah. So you should have like I don't know, Christopher. I don't know. Yeah. Think of something. Yeah. Tommy Tucker. Yeah. Get cracking. <laughs> Christopher needs a name. It's he... not going to be faggot fanboy number 341. <laughs> Christopher needs a name that you need to come up with. And it preferably he... cannot be homoerotic. And now I know. It, it definitely can be homoerotic. <laughs> it just needs to be a name that he can say hello with on the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, come up with that and, and uh, life will be good. So yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the list that we use today and where we're going to go with our armies moving forward. So do you want to start with your Equitain army? Yeah. Um, so obviously today we played the scenario-based uh, uh, game. 
rather than victory points. And um, I was running my King of Equitain army with, I'd say, pretty hefty investment into characters. BSB, Lord, yeah, yeah. very a, big wizard. A wizard master with a book and four spells on Druidism. Yep, and uh, also Talisman of Roland for that sweet, sweet protection from shooting. <laughs> Uh, as any King of Equitain player will tell you, um, this game is 50% about uh, about playing uh, uh, the end scene from The Last Samurai, where you're just running against the gunman. It's like... Not as much anymore, I guess, but it does happen. Yeah, I think... Yeah, you must you must come against that a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I remember one game against. Oh, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. What we're talking about is uh, my what, list. Yeah. What list did you run today? And uh, the list was obviously so the level four, the duke, and then the paladin BSB, and the uh, paladin and the duke was on uh, Pegasus, Pegasi, Pegasi, Pegasi. We come up with this in this in this situation. This happens so much. Yeah. My English is so bad. Yeah. And you're not native, so. Yeah. yeah never mind. Sorry, Karen. Yep. And so the level four was on a unicorn. Because I had the uh, model pound painted and whatnot. Yeah. Um, did, did you think a unicorn was worth it? What What made you have a unicorn instead of a horse? Um. I had the model painted. <laughs> I guess. You don't have one on a horse painted? Yeah, I do. But the one on the unicorn is. Much nicer. I felt like trying it out. Oh, what is the benefit of having a unicorn over a horse? You get magic resistance too. You get. That's quite nice. Yeah. But especially yeah. for the knights. Yeah, well, I mean, she could buy it. That's really the thing. I mean, she can mundanely buy it if she wants to put it in her pocket. Like she, can, she can literally, yeah. outside of magic points allowance, buy it. No? No, now they only have magic rest one. Oh, I have no idea. Anyway, you get magic <laughs> rest two from the, from the unicorn. So you actually get diminishing returns from the unicorn. That's nice. Anyway. Um, so I had that. Good army design. Eternal balance. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Um, you get movement ten, which can be yeah. nice if you're facing no shooting. I guess, kind of, sort of. Please say yes. Yeah, it can. It can be. It can be good. It also gains her strider forest and an extra toughness. That's okay if you're seeing the questing knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 also half the idea that she can go in there if she has to. Yeah. Um, and then, so that leads us to the next point. In special, we have big block of twelve questing knights with a flaming banner. And before you were moaning every day, look, every day about them. Yeah. Every day you yeah, were. Just, they were so poorly designed. Oh my and, god. And and now, a lot better. And I'd, I'd, I'd say they're there. What's um, the what's the change? Uh, the change is that they they basically got uh, Strider Forest for free. I think I'm pretty sure they went up in points a little bit, but they got the Strider Forest for free, and um, well, so obviously it wasn't free. But I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, they got Strider Forest. And the big thing was that they got multi wounds two against large targets. So that that's a fluff rule and also a really useful game rule. Yes, it and gives so we, them. We approve of this change. Yes, good job, guys. Uh, it means that they have a purpose. It means that you can. Use them for monster hunting. I mean, if you math hammer it, I think it becomes questionable <laughs> as to how effective they are at it. But at least now there's synergy with yeah. the druidism, which I was running. I mean, the idea was to have them ram into something, take a lot of casualties, but kill it. You know, a big yeah, monster, yeah. and that left my lord free to go wreak havoc amongst more elite other elite units that they otherwise wouldn't be able to handle. Mm-hmm. And my trebuchet could then fire on infantry. That was kind of the idea of it, yeah. right? So I wanted to try it out, and 
to be fair, I quite like them now. I mean, the the ability to to at least traverse forests without losing fucking a third of the unit with my <laughs> dice rolls every time yeah, she is does. amazing. And um, yeah, no, I uh, I really I think they're in a good spot. One one mistake you made today was matching them up against the the migrate weapon troops. Yeah, but I I wanted to deter you. I was my it almost worked. My idea was to jump both like dual charge the great weapon dudes. Um, because I wanted to deter you from putting your flying, flappy, flappy bird, what's it called? Shrieking horror. Yeah, I wanted to deter you completely and then contain it on the left, which actually worked, except that I could not kill it. Yeah. I just didn't want to die. Yeah, well, region 4 plus. Oh, that was the load. I mean, how many times were the, I mean, the, the other terror guys was quite low also, right? Yeah, I had to heal it twice. Yeah. And I could not get my lord into it because I kind, I kind of misplayed my characters a little bit, but, yeah. but I was really afraid of the death snipe. Maybe it shouldn't have been. No, it shouldn't have been with your general because yeah. he has a fortress ward save. Yeah, so that was a mistake. But anyways... Yeah. Um, you had the Grail Knights? And then I ended up eight Grail Knights with musicians. Are they Grail Knights or are they Knights of the Grail? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> uh, I, haven't, I haven't got drunk on the podcast in ages. We have beer. Yep, I've worked tomorrow in the morning. <laughs> As does I. I don't know. <laughs> um... Stop tempting me, Henry. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to drink. <laughs> you say that, but you're English. I know it's a lie. I want to drink, but I can't drink. I'm not in a social predicament. That's true. Anyway, what else do you have in the list? I had 12 Knights of the Realm, which... Why did you play them in wide? Because I had the Impact Hits banner. Isn't Lance Formation better? Because you can. I was all. still in Lance Formation. I was. Well, I was. I'm had monstrous ranks, so I'm still only need three models wide to get. So like, I have. Explain to me why you play them six models wide. Because of the impact hits, I get more impact hits when oh, I'm wide. Oh yeah, yeah. That makes so, sense. So so if I'm six wide instead of three wide, then I obviously get six impact hits. Yeah, assuming, from the assuming they all make contact with the enemy. Yeah, well, I mean, you were pretty wide in all yeah, your formations. Yeah, all, all so. my units were, were in hard formation. So yeah, I, okay, make, I, did, I was just wondering. I didn't... No, 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 but, yeah. but that's, that, that was the reason why. Um, yeah. Also, I find that if you have all your cavalry in lance formation, what happens is you kind of get this bus parking lot syndrome where they kind of <laughs> get in the way of each other and they kind of block each other because, I mean, they sound it sounds very nice with the lance formation, actually, but it actually it literally is the shape and maneuverability of a bus. So you need so much space. Yeah, I guess they can't wheel, wheel. They can't wheel for fuck if you're in that formation. Yeah. So sometimes it's a lot better to actually just be in a wide formation. And you're in like technically in horde formation. Yeah. So I could fight with all my guys and all that. So that's a little tip for you, Epitome players out there. Yeah. Run your run your realm knights in six by six six wide. Yeah. If uh, and then obviously like with the character in there, they take up a little bit more space and so. Yeah, it worked out nicely, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's only viable with the impacted spanner, though. Okay. Uh, otherwise, sense. otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Makes I mean, sense. You, you do it with errands because they have more attacks or aspirants or whatever. Aspirants, yeah. yeah. Are aspirants with impacted spanner good? Yeah, but they don't. I mean, the idea with the impacted is that it adds it to the mount. So if you have ranks, also it increases the strength. Okay. So yeah. against you, the strength five impacted are pretty neat, right? Yeah. But if, if you have, say, if, if my unit was 15 large, right, then I would, that which it was initially, but then I had to cut some cost because I had no shooting in the list. <laughs> um, so no, I, uh, 
Yeah, I, I definitely see myself running the 15 realms with the impact hits ban. I think it's super strong. Okay. The errands are the aspirants are great for it in the sense that they can reroll charge distance without characters, so they're also a very cost-effective way of bringing a lot of strength six hits on the on your opponent. How how do you oh you had also had a unit of peasants uh, archers and the unit of uh, levy yeah whatever they're called now what yeah called? I think they're called levy yeah and you also have a trebuchet yeah. I mean that's kind of I wouldn't say it's a lot of shooting but it's not much shooting. But did you feel that you were short on shooting? I felt that the archers, obviously in the matchup against you, I felt like I didn't really get to use them to my full potential. There wasn't many good targets for them? I mean, it would have been nice to shoot the bats, kind of, but I didn't have the magic missile to follow up. Yeah. I, mean, I did actually have the, yeah, the one from nature. Yeah, I could have used that, as, I guess. But they have eight wounds. and. And at the time they weren't that threatening because they're not I'm as just, fast. I'm just using them to chaff you. Yeah, but you wouldn't have been able to chaff me with them if it weren't for the damn spell that I filled <laughs> this build. Yeah, and basically my whole strategy today revolved around casting a bubble of Van Hell's Dance Macabre in the first turn. And I saw it coming from a mile away. Otherwise, I would have lost the game. <laughs> I saw it coming from a mile away. I would and have I completely lost the game. I needed to. You rolled super high, and I needed. Was, I rolled a five, a three. Five and you rolled a mate. You rolled. I think. I think it was like a. Did you roll fourteen in total? Fourteen. Yes. Okay. So you rolled average actually. Yeah. You rolled average, and I I was ahead of you with I had the wafers of penitence and all wizard the all lore. the shit. Yeah. So I had plus wizard four. Master. Right? I needed to roll a fucking eleven with four dice, and I just couldn't do it. We. You had six dice. Yeah, but I chose to do it with four, and that was also that was a that was a mistake. It was I had, a massive no, mistake. I should have just you know because I I I knew the gravity of it, and I hadn't even realized that you were just going to dispel my Oaken Throne, but I didn't want you to have a raise on the zombies. <laughs> so, because the, Why? Like, because if I needed to kill them at one point, right? Yeah. And and it could be difficult, because I don't really have a grinding unit, I don't have a pe I don't have the Pegasus Knights in the army, and so I don't really have anything that's particularly good at grinding infantry, other than the Grail Knights, and they were kind of, I mean, they had two terror guys looking at them with love cigars, so, <laughs> so I knew they, weren't, they were not long for this world. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but yeah. Did did my scepter of power put you off at all? I thought that your combination was to use the scepter of power to get yourself a, a raise on the sombros and uh, also maybe heal something somewhere or whatever it was. Well, that's the idea. Yeah, that's what the idea is. Yeah, and and so I was reserving dice for that, or at least the two dice. Which was, in hindsight, a massive mistake. Because if you had done that, then I would have had the Oaken Throne running, and you would have had a really hard time yeah. in the next one. Because, I mean, the Druidism and the race, if you have the it's Oaken Throne good. going, it's, very good. it's fucking insane on the knights. How many knights did I raise this game? Yeah, so many, like six or seven. And it's just a lot of points. I mean, we're, talk, we're not talking about we're not talking about aspirants here. We're talking about questing knights and grail yeah. knights, and I mean, and healing wounds on lords, and you know, I mean, I'm I'm running that again. I think I might actually go, you know, even heavier into I, it. I really like druidism actually. I think it's one of the, the better laws at the moment. Yeah. Better paths. Fuck's sake. Drink. <laughs> one day I will learn the ninth age. <laughs> one day, but today is not that day. But it is not this day. <laughs> Yeah, so you you had you had the bowman and the trebuchet. How do you feel about one trebuchet? Do you think you need two? It depends on what you're fighting, right? Yeah, of course. But I mean, it's I think they're very very luxury. I, I don't really 
I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like I kind of need them because otherwise I have no answer to massed elite infantry. Like if I'm facing off against the high elf army that just said today I will field all my white lines, <laughs> I'll be just keep completely fucked if I haven't got it. Yeah. Well, you I don't, you needed one. I think one is is definitely uh, not a requirement, but recommended. I'd I'd say that I'd be very hard pressed to play without the one. I mean, I, there are very because it solves so many options cost effectively. You see what I did there? Again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it solves so many uh, problems cost effectively that it, does, it, it feels like, to me at least, if you do get that one hit on a unit, you can, I mean, a, a ranked up. It also forces your deployment, for instance, like you were really wide. Yeah, I was I was deployed my uh, 30 Barragard in two files. Yeah, and if I could have somehow yeah. punished you for that, like with a charge from my general or something, yeah, you know, or, first or a, a combo charge or whatever it was. But, yeah, I mean, I, I put them in the second turn. I, I just didn't want to give you a first turn splat. Yeah. Basically, but that could because we were within 18 of each other. That actually meant that I could have, if I had positioned myself otherwise, I may might have been able to charge yeah, you or something. In, in some, sometimes I think you'll definitely get that off if uh, if people are doing it and not really thinking about it. But you kind of you kind of did it really with the I I completely missed it with the the Grail Knights and the Vampire Spawn. Yeah, actually I was lucky there. Yeah, that they failed the charge. Yeah, in the mm. first turn. Because it's it's um uh, it's on a 19. So that's an 11 for the Grail Knights, but yeah. then you just and then I would have massacred that unit, and I would have been off the board behind your lines. I mean, it's not in a very particular. Yeah, well, I had I had two Terrorgrass when you came on. Yeah, but but, the, but yeah, yeah, but, but they did that game. anyway, right? Yeah. Over the course of the game. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, how how did you feel the list kind of synergized? Do you think it's better than it used to be, or like what what's your feeling right now after playing one game of 1.3? Yeah, so so bear that in mind, right? Yeah, this is Gustavo's first game of one point three. Um, it it feels all right. I mean, nothing too special. I I, I I feel like I had options there. I mean, because before you were really negative about the Kingdom of Aquitaine. Like, yeah, what, but what, that, what's changed? Like, why, the why is core it? the core minimum uh, got reduced to twenty five percent. Yeah, that was fun. The character allowance got increased. Which, for fluff reasons, I thought was, was that, very that's important. A, that's an army-wide thing. I, no, sorry, a game-wide. All the armies are now 40%. Okay, but still, I thought that was important. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. Does, me, does that, did that allow you to bring another character? Uh, no, because I didn't. I didn't want to focus characters in this game. But if I wanted to, if I wanted to make a fluff army, right? If I wanted to have yeah. my angel army fielded, right? Then I then I would have needed it badly. But. It wasn't really necessary for me to use, but it's a good. I think it's important. I think the the biggest thing is the core tax reduction, because that just put you so behind everyone else. Yeah, well, why was it thirty five percent? It it fits the fluff to an extent, I guess, but the gameplay wise, it's just crippling for the army. And um, I think eternal balance got addressed a little bit with the. I mean, let's not forget that, in my opinion, that the nice forlorn got a massive buff. I mean, every forlorn now is essentially like a human white line with a ward save. And, yeah, you know, they, they are really strong, actually, those great weapon guys. I mean, when you, when you, I mean, I guess when you math hammer it, it's, it's not that impressive, but on paper, at least, it's it appears to me to be, you know... The, the, web, the strength 4 as well. Yeah, strength 4, but so strength 6 with great weapons, and they have 4 plus armor save, and the blessing, and multi wounds 2 against monsters, and stride and forest. Well, that's... But they're, they're, they're expensive. Yeah, sure. So, 
the, there's that. But so you you're kind of you're happy with the changes of 1.3 on the yeah base, base yeah. Plan? But I still think like we talked about is I mean as long as we as long as we're not playing scenario based games, I still think it's I mean there's it it will be a recurring discussion like the whole balance thing that will never go away, and it's just sad I think instead of you know making sure that you can clearly define the role of a unit such as so let's say your sword masters is your lawnmower infantry they're really good at lawn mowing you know infantry right yeah. so and they're good at that and so so you bring them for solving that problem because you feel like that's what your army needs instead yeah. of this approach we just say fuck yeah those guys are about 15% <laughs> undercosted. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm bringing those, right? And, yeah. and and so I can get I can get better returns on those, trade more cost effective. So I think. So while I while I appreciate that that this the the the, the new 1.3 edition is is better uh, at least for the King of Equitain and probably also, I mean the Paths of Magic are really cool I think and yeah. it's nice that that, that was a question comes. a question that Tommy Tokyo had for us. What do we think about the Paths of Magic? I, and maybe we answer that after we go through my list. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. So um, my list, I, I've been running a double shrieking horror list with a twist. Uh, with a twist. And the the twist of of a uh, vampire lemon is is actually that I'm running um, a Strigoi vampire on the shrieking horror. And I don't Hardy know, hard. I don't know why people aren't running it because it's really really strong. Yeah, the shrieking horror laugh. But could you have two Shrieking Horrors just by themselves? Yeah. But why would I do that when I can give one a four at region? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's good. It's so really good. I give him the power, which gives plus one region to the model. And it's it's very clearly in the rules that it's the model. And to me, it's just really strong. I mean, it's not overpowered, because there's a lot of things that delete it, like Flaming and Lethal Strike. And there's a lot of Lethal Strike around at the moment. But... It's it's expensive. I, I run him with the red, what's it called, the red sword or the yeah, where he gets to regain wounds. Yeah, right, guys, right? Re, regain regain wounds on every. He gets a vampiric roll for every wound he causes in combat. So, and that's on a five plus because it's a large target, yeah. rather than a three plus, which is it's okay. And he also has divine attacks, but he gets hatred, and he also gives a shrieking horror hatred if you ever want to use its regular attacks. Um. Yeah, but you give him the blood power that gives him extra regen save. So he comes with a 5 plus, and that gets transferred to the mount, and then it gives plus 1. So it gives you a 4 plus regen on the mount. It's expensive, but it's really strong. Yeah, it sounds very good. Yeah, Oliver was screaming about it. I mean, it's, so, played him. It's, it's basically if you're facing against high quality models or expensive models, then it's super strong. But if you're facing. Um, and the more mid tier, I guess, like Elven Infantry, Master yeah. Elven Infantry, it's still good, but it's not as good because they will like we 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 did the math right, and the like thirty executioners will chop it to bits, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty executioners will kill it. And, and anything all... with a great weapon, anything that wounds it on uh, four plus or more will kill it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you have to pick your targets, but you have that ability because you can fly. Yeah. True. And obviously he's a general, and that's nice because it gives me a big bubble. Oh yeah, I guess that's a synergy, right? It's yeah. kind of a hidden synergy. And one yeah. thing that always fucks me when I try to play vampires is the uh, is the leadership march bubble. Yeah, I, I actually the first game I played it, I used the necromancer as the general. Yeah. So I could kind of. Um, but 
but it just seems so much better with the 18 inch yeah, bubble. Yeah, the 18 inch bubble, even though like it's the screen hard is much better on the flank. It's 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 really good. It just means that he can go there himself rather than like the yeah. Streaking Horrors moving the first yeah. turn and then they're in Mongoloid mode from there on. Yeah, exactly. And then, but I think, I mean, before I didn't like the Streaking Horror that much because I thought it was a bit kind of gimmicky, and it was more of like a, a OP. Yeah, I thought it was, and I think it's definitely one of the strongest choices in the book. But I think you need it. I really think you need yeah. you they, need it. Do you remember I told you yeah, this, four this months is, ago? Yeah, this is comes from Christopher saying it, and it comes from Jack saying it on the Thundercocks podcast that you need a shrieking horror to and, be competitive in Vampire Counts. I would, I would say you need I, two. And I yeah, and I hundred percent agree that you need two to be competitive yeah, because in Vampire Counts. It just give because otherwise you have an army that doesn't shoot, that doesn't fight particularly well, that doesn't have a lot of tricks to it I mean the ethereals are not control, tricks you cannot control the board if you don't have chaff yeah. and if you don't have shooting oh you have chaff yeah and the vampires have very good chaff they have very cheap chaff very good chaff but it's also expensive apart from the the like the bat swarms are expensive because they're in core and the other stuff's in special and you don't really want to be taking it away from your special no. It's kind of like every point you're putting. That's all. That's always been my argument against using a lot of flak is that um, every point you pour into rather expensive in old books actually, rather expensive um, redirectors and yeah. uh, chaff units, is a point that you're not investing into something that's supposed to give a return. Yeah, like, it's not going actually going to. Gonna, it's then. actually not going to going to you know kill net, stuff. Net you any points? Yeah. It'll help you, but it won't actually do yeah. anything for you. I mean, obviously, it could like set up that one god flank that you needed or whatever, right? So yeah. it's, it's a tactical element that you can't really value like that, but still. Yeah, I, I just think I think that, that you need them. I think you really need the Shrieking Horrors in the Vampire Army. Yeah. And I think you struggle if you're not using them. I mean, there's, I've been playing with other lists and I've been doing okay, but it it's just much easier with the Shrieking Horrors. It just gives you that ability to go out there and say you're not having this unit <laughs> yeah because i cannot deal with it in any other way yeah if you're facing off against a mean death star i mean even even two like if you can somehow get around it which is not it's, that it's more it's more like an elder dragon sensor or yeah, yeah. something like that that you you don't actually have the combat because you're a combat army so if you want to kill stuff you have to do it in combat yeah because you and otherwise have no shooting right and the yeah. banshees ugh. yeah and otherwise because your combat units are not actually that good, they're more like grinding units. Yeah. Sometimes you need to deal with stuff quickly and get it over and off the table. And like something like an Elder Dragon Centaur, yeah, okay, I can kill it with my Barrow Guard with great weapons. Well, it's going to be expensive, right? But yeah, that's that's not a valuable trade-off because we're going back to the points again. That's not a valuable trade-off, and. And if my opponent is a good general, he's not going to charge in my Shrimp 6 Barragard with his Toughness 6 uh, Dragon Sentinel, right? You know what? He might actually do it because he's going to kill you so fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't even get that many attacks back. So you kind of see the point that you need the Shrieking Horror in the Vampire Counts. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's definitely the optimal, the optimal build. I've been saying it. Do you remember? Yeah, I, I remember. You've been saying it. You've been saying it to me for ages. Yeah. And I didn't listen, but now I'm now I've listened, and now I'm doing it, and in in style with my vampire on top of the shrieking horror. Yeah. And I think it's quite fun as well. It's quite fun to have a big monster flopping around and go. <laughs> so what else do I have on the list? I have a necromancer with four spells yeah. on uh, evocation. 
I think the lack of race is crippling. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. It's really bad, right? I mean, it's they didn't remove any of the drawbacks that vampires have, right? Like the the whole idea is that yeah, sure, my guys are kind of crabby, but you're gonna have to kill him three or four times, right? Yeah. I mean, there's just. I mean. I mean, you I, had, you I had could one race spell. I could have had more, but obviously the shrieking horror vampire is like one thousand two hundred and fifty points. So there's a limit on that. So there's a limit. I mean, you see the rest of my list, and then you can judge it. I mean, what we? Yeah, I didn't want to. I wouldn't want to be in your position and start taking out stuff for 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 more invocations. Yeah. So I actually can fit it in quite easily. Um, but yeah, so I have the necromancer. He's got four spells. He's not a master because that's too expensive. Um, yeah. I don't think you need it. I mean, you ran it today and you really liked it. But I like, uh, to be honest, something that I realized yeah, is you that you the plus three to cast. Um, no, but I'm so dependent on the Oaken Throne to get my combo up. So if you just stop that, yeah, it means that I don't get to raise knights. Yeah. Which which means in turn that I should probably just play more characters and then fewer knights. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, so um have the necromancer. He's he's got uh the what's it called, the scepter of power. Which allows it's twenty points. It's a nice cheap item and it allows you to get an extra dice to cast a spell. Yeah, and that's just that was you know, that was the combo that was kinda like keeping me in check a little bit was yeah. the and ability to just Randomly, if, pe- if people remember rings. it, then it's a good threat. Yeah, and that's why it's there, and and it also allows you. Okay, I've got five. I've got let's say you get like four dice left in your pool. I can throw three dice at this one, and then he can see. Okay, he's only got one dice left. It's not very likely he's going to be able to get the evocation off, or it's not very likely he can cast a spell. And then you just pull out another dice. Yeah, and, and, and if your opponent doesn't do anything with his dice, then then you got the spell through. Yeah. And you don't have to use the scepter. Yeah, exactly, and it can save for next turn. So it's actually a super useful item and only 20 points. I would, if you have a wizard that has no magic item, I'd find 20 points for the scepter power. To be honest, I think I might actually put that on the on my level 4 instead, because it's just... Good for Oaken Throne. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's good for sneaking out that Oaken Throne at the end of the turn, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Oaken Throne's better at the start, but you can have it for next turn, right? I mean, if the alternative is no open throne, right? Yeah, they still have to dispel it next time, and the, <laughs> most people will forget. <laughs> That's just how it is. So my final character is a banshee, and it's a lot of points, two oh. hundred and twenty points. I mean, to me, that seems overpriced. Yeah, it's definitely not worth it. It's very overpriced, I would say. But Why is it so expensive? What's the argument? I don't know. I think they. I just, mean, I, I see think... the utility, but but the prices. Yeah. I mean, the reason I have it in my list is because I don't have many redirectors, as you will see. It's another redirector. It's cheap-ish. 220 points? Remember, it's double old money, right? Yeah. Do you st- I guess it can hide in units and fly around. And- yeah, it can hide in units. It can fly around. It's ethereal. Usually, people will have to target magic on it to take it off, and... If they're shooting magic at the shriek, at the banshee, they're not shooting at the shrieking horror or the barrow guard, and it's also another ethereal unit. I you mean, only have the one ethereal. Well, right? yeah, it's an ethereal unit which can cause problems for some people. I mean, not anymore. Not with a three plus ward set. I mean, yeah, it's such I mean, the moment you just change it? I have no idea. Yeah. But the moment you take it out of a unit, I mean, even 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 if I had remembered today, 
I would have just, you know, shot my arrows at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I, instantly I forgot, killed I forgot it. about it once. Yeah. I thought it was hiding behind a building. I didn't, so I couldn't see it. <laughs> but yeah, it's not that good. But it's it's just another another way of dealing with chaff. And I I don't as I I'm building this list because the vampire's weakness is they can't deal with chaff very well. Yeah. So I'm trying to have as many elements in my army that, that can deal with chaff and that mitigate my weaknesses. Yeah, and that makes sense. And to be fairly honest, I mean, I like the rules for it, and it's not like you have a good alternative for the price, right? I mean, the other option is taking a second necromancer. Or unit of... How are the wraiths now? Are they Because they used to be so good, in my opinion, for 75 points. Um, I can take a unit of wraiths, yeah. For 75? Well, it's yeah, new money now, so... So 150? Uh, it's about the same price. I think it's 200 points. Or something. Okay, so then then you can... Because then the Banshee shoots, but... Yeah, the Banshee shoots, which is, is useful... I mean, it's not very good. They need to. It needs to be no armor saves. I don't know why you can have armor save against it. It's a fucking shriek. It's like, oh, my armor will protect me from the scary noise. Yeah, and if it was no armor save, then it would be actually worth its points. Yeah, I think. I think. I mean, right now it's just I'm looking at it and say, okay, you paid two hundred and twenty points for that. Yeah, it's like having a I mean, fireball with a twelve inch range, or eight inch range. Yeah, because you can move and then. Which is is kind of worth it, but. Yeah, it it's good. But it's not 220 points good. No. I agree. I agree. Either point reduction or... No armor save. Or no armor save. Yeah. And I, either would be fine. Either would be fine, yeah. I, I was also I was also contemplating a wraith on a horse. Like a, a character wraith. Yeah? Yeah. They also need three wounds. They only have two wounds, which is kind of stupid. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if the Banshee had three wounds, I think it would be... I mean, that would also help it. I think it only has two wounds now. I think it's like because all the other characters went up, right? Yeah. But I think uh, I think the you did because fuck you. I think the raves uh, the raves stayed at two wounds, mm. which is frustrating, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. I remember when I tried to make some vampire counter lists. It's always like it's one of the things that's so cool and you want to put it in your list and it's one of the first things to go because you can't yeah. afford it. Yeah. I mean, basically, it was I didn't have any other options. Uh, we'll talk about it at what my other options are at the end um, once, once I've gone through it all. Um, in core, I have 20, zom 20 zombies, which is basically a bunker for my necromancer. Um, I have a corpse cart, uh, what's called a cadaver wagon, in the zombies, but that's from special. What I used to do is put the necromancer on the cadaver wagon, but yeah. what I realized is actually better to have a regular cadaver wagon and the necromancer on foot. <laughs> Because I can then hide the necromancer in the second rank. That's what I've always been telling you. And I mean, you, do shit, you, do, you do save a little bit of points, right? Uh, I think it's about the same. Okay. I don't think there's much difference. It might be, it might be, yeah, it might be a few points as well. But yeah, that's the basic principle. Um, it does the necromancer does gain a four plus regen and gets a higher height, so you can shoot over stuff. It can be it can be important. Can be can be useful, but I think it's just better this way around. Yeah. Because also like it, like spreading your risk and whatnot. Yeah, it can be targeted by targeted by stuff. I think I'm not sure actually. I don't know. I don't know. Is it infantry or is it is it's a cart? It right? counts as a cart. <laughs> that's, what, that's what its unit type is. So so it probably can be targeted. Yeah, it counts as a champion though. So I don't know. I'm assuming it still can be targeted. Yeah, probably. It's different unit size, right? So yeah. So I have the, the zombies with the corpse cart and the necromancer sitting there, usually behind the graveguard. I have unit of 30 ghouls, because I think they're better than skeletons. Mm, this isn't like a... I think I would say now that you can't raise anymore. 
I say the ghouls are definitely better. Yeah. But it was so I I think it's such a shame because the race list with a million skeletons was so fucking cool. You can actually do it again. They brought it back. How so? They brought the dark tone back. Okay, but so you can still have multiple necromancers and get the bonuses. But yeah. they're still gonna be insanely expensive right now now because the price went up. Yeah, you can still you can pretty much run the same list as I had before actually. Okay, but why aren't you running that? Because the freaking horrors are better. Yeah, but you can do both, right? No. Why not? Because it's too expensive. So you can have the one from the Lord category, right? Yeah. And then the altar that gives the whole shit. And then you can't have the, then you can't have the barrow guard. No. Well. Then what? Nothing. What kills stuff? Your uh, 120 halberd skeletons and two squeaking horrors. Yeah. I think I moved away from it because I didn't want to paint all the skeletons. And that's understandable. Yeah. I mean, I have 50 or 40 now or something like that, and this is taking forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I have the, the the ghouls because I think they're better. Poison attacks, two attacks, yeah, yeah. toughness four. I didn't really actually realize that you could have 40. I thought you could only have 30, so I only built 30. <laughs> um, Unit filler time! Yeah, so maybe I'll have to buy some more. Um, but yeah, I uh, have two units of bat swarms. Yeah, those were fucking annoying. Because they're really good. At, I think they're one of the best chaff units, actually. Oh my god, they were good in this game. Yeah, they were nice, because they're distracting, and weapon skill 3. It was so close, my BSP didn't kill them. Yeah, distracting, weapon skill 3, and um, they give minus 1 weapon skill. So anything that's weapon skill 3 is... Well, anything weapon skill 4 hits you on a 5+. plus. Yeah. Which is really nice. Um, and they also they kind of synergize with the barrow guard as well. Yeah, so yeah. I can get them in on the corner yeah. or something. But I don't really use them for that. They they sit behind the units and jump out when I need to redirect something. But That's purely their use, and they're very expensive for this. But I need them because I can't. Put but them if in if you need them for redirection purposes only, why don't you just get the great bats? They're even cheaper. Because they're out of special. The great bats? Yeah. Or oh, they they are out of special. Yeah. So the the bat swarms fill up my core. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So I could I could also have two more units of zombies, but I don't have a zombies. And, <laughs> um, not yet. Anyway, it's always going to be like that point in time where Vampire Counts player will say, I, I I don't want to paint more infantry. I just I, ca I can't do it. I'm actually really enjoying it, even though it's time consuming because I've been painting elves for twelve years or whatever. But, but yeah. Um, so yeah, the bat swarms, and in special, I have 30 barrow guard with great weapons, full command, and the banner of the barrow kings. Banner of the barrow kings. So that's plus one to hit. And yeah, that were wonders for you today. I yeah. fucked up my math there. I, yeah. th I thought you were going to be hitting on fives, and you were going to be hitting on, you know, actually, yeah, actually threes against my paladin and whatnot. Yeah. I, that that banner is so good. Yeah, but the, it's factored into the cost of the unit. I know. That's so, weird. Well, they, they mean they you, they assume that you're gonna buy it, so that's why they're expensive. You know, it's three points per model for a great weapon, or six points now, I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, I always like when you look at like that unit is super expensive. I mean, it's how like many eight, you have? Thirty. I had thirty, and it's eight hundred and something points. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Eight hundred and forty-five points. I mean, they are worth it if you can get the whole healing train going with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. And and uh, for people who don't like the barracking. 
put a barricade in the barrel guard with Tullius T. Oh man, I've I've tried that before. They take no casualties. They don't to crumble. Town. Yeah. Go to fucking town. I mean, seriously, that that guy with the barrel guard is fucking amazing. It's expensive, so it's not broken, but it's fucking amazing. I mean, you really have to have a plan to kill him before you engage that unit. And he's toughness five, and unless you're an elf, you hit him on a five plus, regardless of your weapon skill. Because he's got parry and distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's so good. So, Chaos Lord, come in. Well, you've got a great weapon. But Which you, is nice. You, that's nice, but you hit me on a 5+. plus. But I have a shield of ages. And it's also actually a fairly decent place to, you know, if you do want to have a... And he makes some stubborn. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's why they, they take no casualties. Like, yeah. they don't crumble. They don't crumble. And he's and you're making the BSB, so he yeah. crumbles one less. Yeah, well, a lot less if you're steadfast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why he's so good in the race list. We have 120 skeletons. Yeah, and that and that was part of the reason why I I wanted the Barragard in the race list. Yeah. So yeah. it's also something that's you know something that doesn't have to be all the time within the range of the raising necromancers. Yeah. Because they can they can only be so big. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, lastly, I have uh, three Vampire Spawn. Yeah. And they're really cheap, 220 points. And I think they're one of the strongest units, actually, in the book. Yeah, they're, they're like, traditionally, they're really good. They're frenzied, which means I have to deploy them facing backwards, <laughs> because they always fail their frenzy tests. Backcrawl toward me. Yeah, and... Um, but yeah, uh, like, yeah, they're good. I'll, I'll come back to them in a minute. And lastly, obviously, the final Shrieking Horror. And that's that's my list. It's quite simple. You have the, the ghouls and the, and the barrel guards sitting up front, and then the zombies behind them. Then the, the two Shrieking Horrors just flapping around. <laughs> I was going to say exactly in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flapping the wings around, swinging the dick. <laughs> Killing shit left and right. Yeah. They're, they're really doing the work, and then the others are holding the center and protecting the necromancer. That's, that's my list. I mean, the options that I have with it are taking out the Banshee and... Um... <laughs> you see? That's the first thing you go to when you're yeah. like, uh, like changing the... So, so I could remove all the Ethereals. So I can remove the Banshee. And if I remove the Banshee, then I have 220 points to play with. I could take out the Vampire Spawn and have a unit of ghasts or something like that, like another combat unit out of special or more chaff, which would allow me to change my core setup a bit, have another block... Maybe some skeletons. Yeah. Well, I, d I don't know if I want to go that way. It's hard to say. Because I think the vampires born are really good because they can uh, threaten the war machines. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, if they don't decide to charge something else in the process, right? Yeah, but you can you can avoid that quite easily. You just face them in the wrong direction. Yeah, I guess, but uh, I mean. That's not. I mean, the. I think the benefit of the vampire spawn is the ability to to not. I don't because if you wanted to kill only war machines, you could use just giant bats. The problem is with giant bats is that they're not vampiric, so the the, uh. the vampire spawn can go off in a flank on their own, and they can march as much as they like. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, most people who run war machines any day will, will you know will try and protect them. So. Yeah, you'd actually deployed it in the perfect place today. Yeah, I did with, didn't with the I? Right? Yeah. And what are you putting in that wood? I was like. Yeah. Why are you putting it in that wood near my vampire spawn? And then you change. I was like, damn it. But that's because I remember that it wasn't about you know conserving the points. That was actually the one reason. 
Okay. Like, because it, I put it in the more aggressive position. Yeah. That was, you know, at that time also. At that, at that time in the deployment, it was a good place because I had nothing that could threaten it. Yeah. Unless I wanted to devote my all my shrieking horrors over there. Or like hobble eight inches a turn towards you. <laughs> <laughs> With my... Uh, my non-general shrieking horror, just like, <laughs> like trying like, to get there. Like wobble. Yeah. Like, like, what is the word? Waddle or wobble? Waddle. <laughs> like a, yeah. Waddle like a, a drunk duck. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that wasn't going to happen. And so, I mean, there's a few options with a list. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, you, you played against it today. Did it work? I have no idea what's hot in the meta right now. I mean, no, meta? Is there even a meta right now? What is meta? I don't. You know, I, to be honest, I think as long as you have, it's like with the elves. So as long as you have three, three bow throws, it's gonna be fine. I mean, you know, the same with the shrieking horrors. So, I I can't really comment. I mean, I there's I an argument to be made to uh, for for taking just another bear shrieking horror rather than the vampire lord. I think there's an argument to be made there, if you need it. I mean, you could have a on foot vampire because you kind of need that character in the barrel guard to utilize the yeah, bodyguard. I, I agree. So there's an argument to be made I, for Vancarstein. The first, the first list I played was with no vampire. Okay. So, but you pretty much half the cost of the shrieking horror. Yeah. And that gives you like another like I don't know how many points, five hundred points to play with, and then you add a barracking, which is about half of that. Take the banshee out, and then you have another five hundred points for vampire knights or something like that. Yeah, something that's killing, right? But, but then you can't put the vampire knights in because they don't go in the category. <laughs> the, Wait, what? <laughs> back to categories they don't fit because you, if you have two shrieking horrors, you can't have anything else. No, oh, that's true. But I guess you just play around it by using like foot characters to. To you know, to put the combat potential yeah. into a vampire on foot. I yeah. mean, you, 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 you could, could have a ghoul, that, right? you could have a ghoul vampire in the ghouls, making them hatred and and uh, arm piercing or something. I guess that, not... that might work. There are options there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the book-wise, uh, I think the vampires again they took a bit of a beating. I don't understand why they kind of like. I think. I never understood the nerf to ethereals, but maybe it's because it's just me that doesn't have a problem dealing with them. Yeah. It just sounds like people just constantly find ways to abuse the ethereals, so they've like gone out of. They just had to say that okay, we can't figure out a way to balance it, so we're just gonna have to make them make some shit so no one takes them, and then we can deal with it another time. And then we kind of like, I mean, I always thought to myself that it's kind of silly that there's no rule in this game that says that infantry needs to attempt or try to be five wide if they can. Yeah. And then maximum of ten. Yeah, between five and ten. Yeah, so that, that you don't have this shenaniganing around with all these kind of like conga line bullshit things yeah. which has got nothing to do with wargaming, but it's got everything to do with feints and you know it's bullshit, right? Because yeah. if if you're in a in any kind of like how would you how do you perceive the functionality of a conga line formation. I know the, not... the only time I can see it's relevant is fast cap. Yeah, or or if you have to maneuver something really, you know, you can go down to a smaller formation if you have to fit through a gap or something, yeah. right? If you have no other choice, then yeah. it makes sense. But as a combat formation, eh, 
I, I think I think that's definitely something they should they should add to the game. Yeah, you just say no infantry, go five wide or ten wide or in between, but no yeah. this, right? Yeah, between five just and ten. instant fix. Yeah. Right. It also looked much nicer, and then introduced the rule that any model in the front rank, despite being in base contact or not, if you're engaged, then the models in the front rank can attack. Because it doesn't make sense that, yeah. like, if you're playing Skaven, half the time he's gonna be what five wide and ten deep. Yeah. What kind of a fucking formation is that? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, another discussion. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think we'll call it there. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Amazon Podcast. Episode 20. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, just send me an email at amazondk at gmail.com. And you can get me on, follow me on Twitter if you want. I'm on Twitter. It's like a hobby shame Twitter, so it's nothing uh, normal on there. It's like all like Warhammer related. Um, you can get me at Henry P. Miller. And that's my, also my name on the forum if you want to send me a message or send us some love. Christopher likes love letters apparently clearly not so uh, send us some more love letters if you're listening it can be in Danish as well that's fine yeah we're kind of international now we can get yeah. we can throw in some Norwegian and Swedish there yeah the top international podcast yeah UK is not UK what are the Thundercuts guys saying UK is number one knife edge podcast yeah we say the the international number one knife edge podcast yeah Publicly recognized as the better pop, uh, podcast yeah, yeah. by the Thundercocks. Yeah. <laughs> Officially. Endorsed <laughs> as superior. <laughs> Master race. <laughs> Master race. <laughs> of a great typhoon with all the strength of a raging fire mysterious as the dark side of